Amen. Psalm 60. A few uh, Sunday evenings spending some time in uh, the Psalms. Israel's songbook. And uh, we always see, I think, some of the honesty that comes from the various psalmists as they write, um, because it's not just all praise of a great and a glorious God. It's telling us of some of the struggles and difficulties they've had, and yet how God has led them through it, which leads them to praise at the end, which is uh, uh, just what amazes me um, and thrills my heart, because at times we too struggle, and we have those difficulties, and we can take them to the Lord, and the Lord brings that same hope that same encouragement to us so we can praise him at the end as well. So this is Psalm uh, 60. Uh, you have rejected us, O God, and burst forth upon us. You have been angry, now restore us. You have shaken the land and torn it open, mend its fractures, for it is quaking. You have shown your people desperate times. You have given us wine that makes us stagger. But for those who fear you, you have raised a banner to be unfurled against the bow. Save us and help us with your right hand that those you love may be delivered. God has spoken from his sanctuary. In triumph I will parcel out Shechem and measure off the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet, Judah my scepter. Moab is my wash basin. Upon Edom I toss my sandal over Philistia. I shout in triumph. Who will bring me? to the fortified city. Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O God, you who have rejected us and no longer go out with our armies? Give us aid against the enemy, for the help of man is worthless. With God, we will gain the victory and he will trample down our enemies. Amen. This is God's word for us this evening. At the 1998 Winter Olympics in Nagano, Japan, Norwegian Bjorn Dali proved once again that he was a champion. He won the 10,000-kilometer cross-country skiing event, giving him his sixth lifetime gold medal. When he crossed the finish line, Dali didn't rush away to a victory celebration, which we might have expected him to do. He waited there for another competitor. For the man struggling last in the 92-man field, Philip Boyt of Kenya. Philip had first laid his eyes on snow only two years beforehand. Trained by a Finnish coach, he had accumulated enough points in competition to be invited to represent his country in the Winter Games, a first for that African nation. Philip lagged behind the victor by nearly half an hour. Bjorn waited patiently at the finish line. And finally, str Philip struggled into view. The few remaining spectators began to cheer him on. And as Philip crossed the finish line, Bjorn, the champion, took him by the shoulders, gave him a tight squeeze that conveyed his respect and admiration for this one who was determined to finish. This psalmist David is determined to keep going. He is determined to finish. He is looking forward to the victory that would come through God. We spent 
months now and uh, looking for a king in 2 Samuel. And so as we finish, I thought it'd be good for us to spend a few weeks looking at a few of the Psalms, a few of the songs that David wrote during those experiences he faced in 2 Samuel. He's got much to teach us about uh, life, uh, not simply from his life as we've seen, but from the songs that he writes as well. In Psalm 60, he says, I will sing of your victory. I will sing of your victory. David knew where his strength and help came from. In the opening verses of Psalm 60, we see him struggling with defeat. The people uh, have felt rejected by God, overcome. Yet in the middle section, they turn to God in prayer, asking for him to save them. And as they turn in prayer, it would appear uh, David has remembered a promise of God. And this gives them the confidence to, to declare that God will give them the victory. Trusting in God's word results in the psalmist moving from defeat, discouragement, despair, to hope, and to victory. Let's find that same encouragement tonight for our daily lives, and also for our ongoing mission as a church, to be demonstrating God's love in action. Quick bit of background as we begin, just to set the scene to remind us where we are. Uh, This psalm actually has one of the longest uh, subscripts that is to be found It sets the scene. It reminds us of where we are in David's life. You probably thought I'd forgotten about it as we read the start of the psalm, but I'm going to read it now for us. For the director of music, to the tune of the lily of the covenant, a mictum of David for teaching, when he fought Aram Nariam and Aram Zobah, and when Joab returned and struck down 12,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. Be interesting to know how the tune went. Byron was asking me if I was going to give you a wee bit of a solo this evening, singing the lily of uh, the covenant, but we don't know the tune, so I'll save you from any kind of false interpretation that might come along. You'll remember from the other Psalms that we are unsure what a miktam is. It could be a music, a musical term, perhaps a literary term. It's clear, though, that this song was written for teaching. Perhaps they learned it by heart, recited it as they went, used it to train up a younger person, a younger generation even, to trust in and to look to God for the victory. The background to the psalm was when David had invaded Syria, Aram, to the north in 2 Samuel chapter 8. He defeated the kings of Zobah and Damascus. But seemingly during that time, the Edomites in the south with the assistance of uh, some other Syrians, had taken advantage of the opportunity to invade southern Judah. It was at this point that the psalm was written, when Judah was in despair at the sudden and unexpected invasion by their enemies, a despair shared by David as he learned news of what was going on. Subsequently, as we know from uh, 2 Samuel, he sent Joab and Abishai to deal with this invasion with the result that a Syrian-Edomite alliance in the south was driven back, inflicting heavy casualties, reflecting on that struggle. And then on this victory, David pens this very psalm. And it's got much to teach us about the real-life struggles to serve and honor God, facing hardships and opposition as we go We, like David, can overcome by looking to and leaning on our Lord. We cling to his promises. We trust in him. God gave a promise of help, and David trusted that what God said. That's why we too this evening can sing along, I will sing of your victory. We begin this psalm seeing the hardships 
of mission. As we said, David was experiencing a great victory up north, but back home things weren't looking so good. Trouble was looming. Often, uh, when things are going well, the devil likes to step in and stir things up. Often, when things are going well, we take our eyes off of what is important and we lose our way. Often, when things are going well, we take our eyes off of the Lord and we begin to wander. We see this so often in Scripture. After a battle is won, there is struggle. Some of God's greatest people had their biggest defeats after uh, their victories. We don't need to look far, do we? We remember Elijah uh, won a great victory on Mount Carmel. And then he became discouraged and suffered a great uh, defeat. And we could go through Scripture and name person after person who won a great victory with the Lord and then allowed themselves to wander or perhaps become discouraged or defeated uh, by sin and by Satan. We must be careful to win the victory after we have won the individual battle. For David, there's a real struggle. And he is faced with a hard reality here. The Edomites are attacking his home and his land is not as secure as they thought it was. And for David and the people, it feels like God has abandoned them. That he's angry with them, annoyed at something that they have done. Verse 1. You've rejected us, O God, and burst forth upon us. You've been angry. Now restore us. You've shaken the land and torn it open, mend its fractures, for it is quaking. You have shown your people desperate times. You have given us wine that makes us stagger. The initial victory over uh, uh, of Edom, the initial victory of Edom hit Israel like water bursting through a broken dam or an earthquake shaking the entire country. The people were acting like they were drunk on wine, staggering in bewilderment from place to place. And the vivid language used speaks of a people feeling overwhelmed, feeling shaken, confused, eh, overwhelmed by struggle so soon after a victory as if everything should be plain sailing, shaken, realizing that what appeared secure sometimes is not confused because they do not understand what is happening. It doesn't fit with what they expected things to be. And for some of us, we've been there. Things are going well, then suddenly we're hit out of the blue by something. Maybe it's illness, death, redundancy, worry over a child. The list is endless, isn't it? And we feel overwhelmed. We feel shaken. We feel confused and we don't know what to do and in the midst we might feel like David rejected by God as if God is somehow angry with us we've prayed for God's kingdom to come for his will to be done but then we face a setback why is there unhappiness in the home why am I facing difficulty in my personal life we feel like that as a church sometimes as well. We're serving God faithfully and well. We're seeing great things happen. And then there's a struggle. We, uh, we're praying for God's name to be hallowed, for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then we face a setback. Why is this congregation feeling God's chastening at this time? So what do you do? Well, look what David does. He laments. He turns to God, he pours out his heart to God. He asks him to restore and to repair and to renew them. The lament that came was heartfelt. Life was hard. But clearly David believed that the Lord would hear him 
And we need that same faith when things uh, seem confusing. When the gospel seems to be making slow progress, pray and believe that God will hear. When we and our fellow saints face persecution and great obstacles, pray and believe that the Lord will hear. There is good reason to believe that our, our current hard situation may not be final. David not only laments, but he tries to lift our collective eyes to the Lord. He issues a hopeful reminder there in verse 4. But for those who fear you, you have raised a banner to be unfurled against the bow. Save us and help us with your right hand that those you love may be delivered. David fought these wars because he was God's king and the Israelites were God's people. We need to realize that even though there are problems, struggles and battles in life, God still loves us. Romans 8.35 reminds us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. His love cannot change and will not fail no matter how we may feel. David lifts high the banner of God's truth. That's one of God's names, Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. We thought on that on Thursday night at the prayer meeting, Exodus 17. I could sing another song there. I'd be a dare singing songs if I did. And the Lord is the rock of, and Jesus is the rock of my salvation. His banner over me is love. I wonder how many of you remember that from your Sunday school days. There was a few nods, a few old people in the room. That's okay. Us youngsters remember it too. That's okay. That's cheeky, isn't it? I'm on forum today for being cheeky as well. David remembered that the Lord was his banner. And that that banner meant love. It meant life. David was capable but he was depending on God's right hand. So he reminds the people of their banner. He points them to the Lord. A banner was a flag, a standard held high that rallied the troops. It gave courage and strength and fortitude to the troops to see the banner floating high in the wind. And the banner here is the banner of truth, a banner of the gospel, a banner of the promises of God, the banner of God's covenant. Whenever we remember God's promises and concentrate on them, we look at the banner when we remember the gospel, when we share the gospel, we hold high the banner. Whenever we teach the scriptures and, and believe it and memorize it, we lift high the banner and are strengthened by it. God has given us the banner of truth. Friends, when you're overwhelmed, when you're shaken, when you're confused, I want to encourage us to run to that which stands the test of time and trials, to run to the gospel, when you are lamenting, look to the banner and live. When you are reeling, remember the Lord and his promises. Why? Because we are his loved ones. And because we are his loved ones, he will save us and help us and deliver us. Verse 5, save us and help us with your right hand that those you love, that those you love may be delivered. God has promised never to leave us or forsake us. We are his we are secure. Life might get tough. The mission might be hard. We might face hardship along the way, but our hope isn't in the things of this world. Our hope is in the Lord alone, and that that is the hope for the mission that comes, the hardships of the mission, but now the hope for the mission. That is what David turns to in verses 6 through 8. He's lifted their eyes once more to God, and now he listens to the words of the Lord and shares that with the people. 
How David received that message from the Lord doesn't explain to us, but he's quick to believe it and pass it along to the people. Verse 6, God has spoken from his sanctuary. God has spoken, and I've heard, and we need to hear. The basis for the hope is God's revelation. He has spoken from his sanctuary, from his holiness, as it is also translated. David is confused, but his hope comes from the word of the Lord. And we see this in some of the other Psalms as well. Psalm 73, 16 says, When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood. Then I understood. Friends, we need to come back to the sanctuary. We need to come back to the Lord so often that we might understand, that we might get a fresh glimpse of who God is, that we might be reminded of his love, that we might hear from him. David learned the character and purpose of God in the sanctuary where he heard God's promises reiterated. In our times of confusion, we likewise need to hear God's reiterated promises in his sanctuary. So, it's not going to surprise you that the pastor's going to say to you, where's the best place to be on a Sunday morning and a Sunday evening? Right here in church. Why? So that you can hear God's word expounded and explained quite literally so that you can be found in here in the very, very word of God. And what's God said for David? Well, David lists that for the people. He shares God's promises with them. In triumph, it will parcel out Shechem and measure off the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah, my scepter. Moab is my wash basin. Upon Edom I toss my sandal over Philistia. I shout in triumph. The Lord begins by assuring Israel, that is Shechem, Gilead, Manasseh, Ephraim, Judah, of his favor. He lists these regions geographically from north to south. And then he speaks of uh, God's enemies, of Moab, of Edom, of Philistia. And he speaks of them from east to west. And the promise implied here is one of complete conquest from north to south and from east to west. God is with his people and none of his enemies will stand in his way. The kingdom will expand. And when David remembered the banner of God, when God's people remembered his banner uh, of his covenant, of his promises, of his past deliverance, of his power, of his presence, they took faith. They remembered those covenant promises to them uh, to give them these lands and to make them victorious and triumphant. And this gave them strength and it gave them courage. Quite simply, God says, well, wherever you go in Israel, it all belongs to me. I own the land. So stop worrying about it. When David heard the Lord talk like that, he knew he didn't have to be afraid. He rested in the victory of the Lord. We too can rest in the victory of the Lord. We've got his promises. We can rest in those in those moments when uh, we feel shaken and upset, when we feel confused and lost and afraid. We don't need to be afraid. We can turn to the promises of God and we can stand upon them. Do you remember Paul's words in First Corinthians 15, 55, towards the end? He says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so we can carry on our mission. What's our mission? 
Our mission as a church is to be demonstrating God's love in action in the communities in which we worship and witness around the church, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, our places of work and leisure. For us as a church, as Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ, it is surely Matthew 28, 18, go and make disciples. Jesus commands us to go to make disciples of all nations. He assures us that he is with us in the mission. Success is guaranteed on the basis of his ultimate authority. We must not dismiss his promise. We must not be dismayed when we see the enemies of the gospel, secularism, religious pluralism, the sexual revolution, compromise all around when we see those seemingly triumph. At such times, we need to rally under the promises of God and move forward in anticipation of victory. Friends like David, in that land, wanting the victory, wanting the triumph to to live freely in the lands in which they were. We too want to live freely in our land, but we want to take the land for Jesus. We want the world to know who he is, and so we need to hear God as he tells us that our best days are not in the past. Our best days are not all in the past. Glorious potential lies in our future. What will God yet do in and through you and in through us as a church? The hope for the mission. The psalm finishes with David recognizing and acknowledging the help for the mission. Here he launches out by faith. Quite simply, David says in these last verses, I don't have any confidence in myself. God has to lead us to victory. God has to lead me to victory. Verse 9, who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O God, you who have rejected us and no longer go out with our armies? Give us aid against the enemy, for the help of man is worthless with God. We will gain the victory, and he will trample down our enemies. David questions who it is who has caused him to venture against Edom, and who it is who will give Israel victory over them And so we see the choice made. The choice made is he asks the question in verse 9 and answers it in verse 10. The battle is not yet over. They were fighting in a place called the Valley of Salt. Uh, That's a huge place just beneath the bottom of the Dead Sea. It's full of uh, uh, huge mountains. According to one commentary I read, it's mountains of crystallized salt with monstrous boulders of pure crystal salt from ages of evaporation there at the bottom of the Dead Sea. And the enemy, the Edomites and others, the Moabites, were attacking. And the Edomites had an impregnable fortress known as Petra. And it's so difficult to attack, so easy to defend that place. Would someone go with them to give them the victory? And God's word had encouraged David. It would not be easy. In fact, it would be humanly impossible. But the humanly impossible could be achieved. Is it not you, O God, David says. You will go with us. You will give us the victory. We choose you. We choose to believe in you. We choose to trust in you. The hard reality of earlier, the Lord's previous uh, chastening had become now a means of hope. So he asks for the Lord's help, recognizing that the help of his fellow men is absolutely worthless. He would not rely on human strength or military allies, only on God. And friends, that is where we have to get to so so many times in life. We need to fully rely on God. It's great to have people around us. Great to have people to support us to encourage us, to stand with us. 
But listen, human beings cannot do it all, but there is one who can, and his name is our Lord God. Fully rely on God. There used to be a little wristband a few years ago that people wear that had a little picture of a frog in it and said, frog, fully rely on God. Let's rely on him. When we consider our mission, we have to realize the difficult task that is before us and the real source of our strength. We face those who are spiritually dead. We face the blinding power of the evil one. It won't be easy, but God, God's promises should strengthen us for the task. And so we finish them with the confidence displayed. The choice made, but now the confidence that comes with verse 12. With God, we will gain the victory, and he will trample down our enemies. David had great confidence in God's willing ability to grant victory to his people. He's found hope and courage and assurance right here in God. He's been through the ringer. He's been through the ringer in this whole encounter. He started in defeat, discouragement, despair, facing the hard reality that the enemy was attacking from a quarter he didn't think they would. He felt that God had rejected them, was angry with them, so he cried out for help. Then he took his eyes back to the banner. He remembered God's word, God's promises, God's love, God's faithfulness. And with that, he was able to stand and to ask for God to save and to help and to deliver those whom he loved. God gave a promise of help, and David trusted what God said. He's gone from defeat and hopelessness to hope and to victory. I will sing of your victory. He knows it's not in his own strength that he will win the battle, but it's God alone who gives the victory. And God has given us promises to help us get through our battles as well. His banner over us is love. Almighty God always goes before us. He gives us help and he gives us the victory. And so friends, are you facing a struggle? A struggle right now in your life? Does it feel like God has rejected you? That he's forgotten about you? <coughs> that he's angry with you? Lift your eyes from your troubles and see him. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Remember his banner. Remember his promises. Take a moment to examine yourself and confess any sin. And then take the time to pray and ask for God's help. Stand on his promises and then have the confidence that your help comes not from within, not from those around, that your help comes from the Lord alone. He will bring the victory in your life, victory over sin, triumph over temptation, over illness, over worry, over trauma. He will bring victory too over the enemy who would stop us from our mission. Let's look to the Lord. Let's lean on him. Let's go forward in faith, trusting he will bring the victory. Let's go forward in faith and keep seeking to make disciples. Let's go forward trusting the Lord and keeping demonstrating God's love in action. With God, verse 12, with God, we will gain the victory. With God, we will gain the victory. Let's pray together. Loving God, we thank you for that word that challenges and encourages. We thank you, Lord, that you will bring the victory, that you are able to do all things. Lord, we thank you that you are the banner 
uh, you are Jehovah Nisi, that you're the one who places his banner over us. Lord, help us to look to that banner. Help us to look to you. Help us not to get lost in our struggles. Help us not to get lost in ourself. But Lord, help us. No matter how hard and how tough and how difficult some of these situations and things are that are happening in our lives, Lord, we pray that you would help us to lift our eyes that we might look and see you. And Lord, as we look and see you, that we would be reminded of your word, that we would be reminded of your promises, that we would be reminded of your love and your faithfulness. Lord, we pray that as we look to you, we would turn from despair to hope, that we would turn from defeat and see the victory that will be ours because of what you will do in our lives. And so, Lord, help us to keep looking to you, to keep trusting in you, to keep walking in your ways. Father God, we pray that this word would stick in our minds. We pray that if there's anything of man there tonight, that you would just simply take it away and let only that which is of you remain. Help us to mill that over, to ponder it in our minds in these coming days. And Lord, help us to apply it to our lives. Help us to be able to sing like David of your victory, of your work in our lives. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. So, Father God, bless this word to us in these moments. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.